KJ, and welcome to the Midwest Bias Podcast. We're back after a week off last week, so welcome back, and thanks for coming back and push and play. One thing that hasn't changed over these last weeks, and actually many weeks now, we have no new podcast reviews. Now, I'm talking specifically iTunes reviews, because I don't really know how to check the other reviews that we have. Like, I think we're on Stitcher. I don't know if there's reviews there. I think we're on, I know we're on Google Podcasts. Maybe there's a review there. Maybe I'll check that out if I can figure it out. I'm still trying to figure out how to put a donate button on the podcast. So if anybody knows how to do that, let me know. Remember that if you do leave a positive review, you do get a sticker. If you live in the United States. So please consider leaving a positive review. It does seem to help. Algorithm. Algorithm-wise, I really don't know how, but I know that it, it brings the podcast up in the charts or lists it with other podcasts you might listen to. I don't really know, but just, I like to read them. They're fun, and I appreciate you. Anyway, could you leave a podcast review if you haven't already, please? There's a sticker in it for you if you live in the United States and you're nice. Okay, here's the most Midwestern moment of the week. It's the most... Midwestern moment Until the next post Midwestern moment Next week Or whenever I please Okay, now this could just as easily be Cranky or Krabby KJ segment But I don't have a theme song for that And I'll explain why it's the most Midwestern moment of the week If it's not completely obvious already So I'm at the dentist today And She's about to start, I don't know if your dentist does this, but I shouldn't say dentist, dental hygienist, if, if your hygienist does this, but before they do the cleaning, they take a little tool and they mess around in your mouth. And my hygienist, I think she uses a speaker system to record. Basically, they're taking the health of your gums. So they're saying one, two, three, four, one, two, three, all throughout your mouth and something's recording it. Well, my dental hygienist had her gloves on, was ready to go in my mouth, and then the computer was not turning on. The recorder was not turning on. So what did she do? She said, oh, the computer's not working. Let me fix that. Using her gloves all over the mouse of the computer that is shared by other dental hygienists, presumably not always when they have their gloves on. So, you know. When their gloves are off, maybe they haven't washed their hands for a number of hours. And then instead of changing her gloves, she puts her hands back into my mouth. This is disgusting. This is not hygienic. Your name literally is a dental hygienist. It's not hygienic. If you're going to touch something, this goes for anything. Subway uh, sandwich artists out there. If you touch something when you're making a sandwich, you must stop and change your gloves. Healthcare workers, if you touch something, you are no longer clean just because you have gloves on. The gloves have been soiled. Come on. I've seen this so much. I've seen this so much. And come on, it's not that hard. Change the gloves. I'm so over this. Change the gloves. Now, where the most Midwestern moment comes in is, did I say anything to her? Did I ask her to change her gloves? No. I just let her put her dirty paws in my mouth. And thought to myself, hmm, I should really say something, but I'm not gonna. 
Of course I'm not gonna. And that has been the most Midwestern moment of the week. All right, let's get on with the show with my Midwest guest co-host. Time for the Midwest guest co-host. She's the best co-host of the day. Yeah, it's the Midwest guest co-host. Yeah, you bet you she'll know just what to say. Yep, it is time for the Midwest guest co-host of the day. Welcome back to the program, the Hall of Famer. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Okay, well, we are going to try to keep it short because we have a great guest after this segment. Not that you're not a great guest, but it's a, you know, it's a new guest and we had a really good conversation and it's a little bit of, of a longer interview, so we're going to keep this part short. What's the saying? I'm a, I'm a filler. <laughs> you're a filler. <laughs> we're going to try to keep this to 10 to 15 minutes, but I do come from a podcast called Speaking of tangents so Hmm. we'll see what we do okay so we do have some twitter talk from two weeks ago when we had an episode we'll start with that we were talking about that brewery u-i-n-t-a which i call uinta with kim wilson Mm -hmm. when i was when kim wilson was on i called it uinta yeah it sounds right Mm -hmm. and we have patrick moffitt at moffitt patrick who you know he lives in utah he says I've heard two pronunciations in my time here, Uinta and Uinta. I tend to hear the latter more from the locals, but have heard both plenty. One of the better big breweries around. I'll assemble a box. Ooh, he'll assemble a box. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Uinta, Patrick, even though the locals say Uinta. But it, it sounds fun, like, ooh, Inta. Yeah, yeah but Uinta, Uinta beer? Ah, <laughs> good one. And also Todd Takei at Tooth Takei said, I've always heard Uinta, but I'm not a local. Ordered flights of it in Salt Lake City, and we were puzzled by why everything was 4% ABV until we learned about Utah alcohol laws. Oh, Oh, really? Well, I'm not surprised to hear that the Utah alcohol laws are a little bit lower ABV. Well, I don't know if this is uh, similar in other states, but in... Minnesota, I believe, and maybe they don't do this in the anymore. But in Minnesota, if you get, if you buy beer at like a gas station or a grocery what? store, it's all three point two beer. It's all three point two percent alcohol by volume. Is that does that go for the Quick Trip? No, well, not in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my Quick Trip stout that I love so mm-hmm. much. Now Jenny Robbins at Robbins underscore Jenny. Oh, hang on. The name drop, name drop of the week. What up, girl? <laughs> Jenny said a couple of things. Love the new crockpot segment. I'm pretty sure that smelly sock smell in IPAs is the type of hops. Hmm. I wouldn't say that's the smell I would describe, but I'm not a fan of it either. Now, Todd Takei did write me a private note, and I would have to check it to make sure, uh, but he... He basically gave me these instructions that I should sort of retrain my palate and then I would get to like them. Sounds like a lot of work. It, it does sound like a lot of work and I'm not sure I want to like IPAs that much. Yeah. But I do appreciate the research, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jenny Robbins also said, I also think you'd like Uinta Brewing Baba Black Lager. And that's the one that oh. Kim mentioned because... She said she liked it because it had a sheep on it. Blah, blah, blah. Sheep. Yeah. 
And then she said, because I do. <laughs> With a smiley face emoji type of thing. When I was only drinking stouts and porters, which is pretty much me, although I don't think I like porters. I'm adding that part. She says, I was introduced to black lagers. They are one of my go-to beer choices because they have a depth of flavor similar to a stout, but are much lighter in texture. I'm not there yet, Jenny. I, I just mm-hmm. don't see a... F- I don't like many black black lager lagers. So yeah, I, I don't... I, I'd, I'd be certainly willing to try. Okay, Hall of Famer. This was tweeted to us by Will. Oh, hang on. It's the name drop, name drop of the week. Will at Aquarium D-R-N-K-E-R. And what it is, is the most popular grocery store in every state. And it's one of those maps of the U.S. with the names of the grocery stores. Colored for each state. Albertsons, Hy-Vee, and Kroger are big ones, sure. But Piggly Wiggly is called Piggly Wiggly. So apparently they like that. Now, I did see a different one. This is is from thetakeout.com. And for our state, and for the state directly below us that you think is part of the Midwest, only those two states aside from Wisconsin, is Hy-Vee. And Iowa, I totally agree. I think Hy-Vee started in Iowa. Yeah, they're all over the place There are a lot of Hy-Vees in Minnesota, but you, what do you think about that? I I disagree. I mean, I think in the past several years, they've infiltrated the area. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing them more and more, but still not as you go like further north. They're kind of working their way from That's the su- from southern Minnesota up. So I would say I would say no to that. I don't think that's a a Minnesota company, or I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's the face of Minnesota. You wouldn't say that's the most popular. No. What was is the most popular? Well, I think Cub Foods is oh, the Cub yeah Foods. yeah because okay. I, I think Cub Foods is a is a Minnesota company. Super Value used to be, but I think they got bought out. What about Super One up north? Duluth, yeah. Esco, all yeah. those little towns, Super Ones. Yeah. I, I wonder where else those are located. I don't know. But, but they, they are pretty popular up north. And I'm kind of surprised on this whole map, nowhere is Walmart listed, which I just disagree. I think Walmart's probably high up for many states. Yeah. Most of the west is Albertson. I would Albertsons. I would agree with that. Uh, California's Trader Joe's. I I cannot yeah. argue with that. That makes sense. Sprouts. Oh, I've never heard of Sprouts. Wow. Is what state is that? Where are we at here? Colorado. Is that Colorado? Sprouts. I think that's yeah. Colorado. That looks like Colorado. That sounds right too. Uh, a lot of Kroger's in the east. Um, Michigan has Meyer. Wisconsin's Piggly Wiggly, and I love Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that's the most popular. Um, but it is kind of the face of Wisconsin. Well, it is. Although I don't think Piggly Wiggly originated in Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, there's Food Lion out east. There's Giant. Trader Joe's in Maine as well. Alaska does not have one. Nobody shops in Alaska, apparently. <laughs> and I don't see Hawaii. Hawaii also does not have one. The other one said, I'm not going to pull it up because of time purposes, but the other one did say Cub for Minnesota. Really? Yeah. Okay. But there were a lot of Walmarts in the West, mm. not... Albertsons, if I remember okay. right. So anyway, in this household, prior to the pandemic, it was Cub. Well, not in this town, because no. there is no Cub in this town. Yeah. But um, it was we, Aldi. Aldi, yeah. Okay, and then 
This came to us later in the week. Here's a topic for Midwest Bias Pod. How do you pronounce P-O-R-T-A-G-E? Don't say it yet. I believe that you and Conan O'Brien pronounce it differently, given his episode today of Conan O'Brien Needs a Fan. He pronounced it Portage. It's Portage. Definitely not Portage. Yeah, I. it is Portage, and I think that Conan must be joking like we jokey, jokingly call Target Target. Yeah, must be. It's Portage. And then I think Ed Butt said, well, I think Michelle Pendleton, Pendleton then replied she doesn't know if she's ever used that word, and Ed Butt said just go to the Boundary Waters with Buffalo Alice, which is me on Twitter. Yeah, it's not Portage to me. What it is is when we come up to one of those trails where we're supposed to get out of the water, take all of our stuff out of our canoes and put the canoes on our head and put the gear on our backs. It's not a portage. It's a <laughs> stupid <laughs> trail. Oh, boy. So it's portage, I guess. It's definitely portage. It's not portage. No. It Conan, is, it's doable. Do we think that Conan O'Brien has ever been on his own portage in the Boundary Waters or anywhere else? Never. He's very tall. He probably could handle it quite better than me. Mm. Depends on if he carries it by himself or if he's trying to carry it with somebody like you. Right. It'll be harder. Yes. With me. I, I'm a little uneven. And the last one, quickly. Also from Will at Aquarium D-R-N-K-E-R, uh, he retweeted from Midwest versus Everybody at Midwestern underscore Ope. Only the Midwest is bold enough to put a patty-sized cheese curd on a burger. And this is Culver's. The Curder Burger at Culver's is back. There's a picture of this, and it's a huge... It looks like a fish fillet. Like a, um, yes, it does. But it's a cheese curd, apparently. I am not aware of this burger, nor do I ever want to eat it. You know what's funny is one of my students works at Culver's, and they were so excited because the curd burger's back. No, it's called the Curder Burger. Oh, sorry. They called it a curd burger. Well, they better get that right. So they were very excited. So that was the first time I ever heard of it. Oh, okay. So you've never had no. it either. Uh-uh. Would you eat this? It doesn't look very good to me. No. Would you? You'd be more likely to eat that cheese curd burger from Milwaukee Absolutely. Burger Company. Yep. yep. Definitely. And I have done that. And oh. it's excellent. Yeah. I don't want that. Oh, you know so me. Good. On my burgers, I don't even want regular cheese. No. It's excellent. I'm that person at the grill or the barbecue when you've got 10 burgers on a plate that have come off the burger. I'm the one that doesn't have cheese on it. Mm-hmm. All the other nine have cheese. I don't like cheese on my burgers. No. You don't like melted cheese. Once in a while I do, but not very often. It's I rare. like melted cheese like if I'm dipping nachos or pretzels in it, but that's a different type of yeah. melted cheese. Yeah. Okay, enough of the two of us. Let's bring in a third guest. Yes, please. It's time for a non-Midwesterner to join the show Probably from the east, west, or southern coast Tell us what they know And where they think we should go Yes, it is time for our non-Midwesterner, our expert, our next guest to join the show. And joining us now 
all the way from Denver, Colorado. It's singer-songwriter Amy Martin. Welcome to Midwest Bias, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. And when I say singer-songwriter, I mean you're a professional. You've got the blue check verified artist on Spotify, (laughs) I noticed. So, you know, you're kind of a big deal. I, I I don't know when that happened, but um, yeah, I have like a, a artist radio, uh, all kinds of things. So wow. definitely not famous, but you know, I, I I broke whatever stream count it took, I guess, to get a <laughs> automated oh, okay. al- Spotify algorithm playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's it's when I folks. Yeah, I was gonna say when folks listen to you enough, I think they compile like similar artists to to whoever, and that was interesting to see. Yeah, I saw that. It said, for me, it said, people also listen to, and I don't have it in front of me anymore. It was like Amethyst Kia, Mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell, Mm -hmm. and it said, Joni Mitchell, who was the next one after Joni Mitchell? There were four of them it gave me. Oh, Jason Isbell. And then there was one Mm -hmm. other one that I can't remember. Yeah, it it tickles me um, every time I I go and I I look at it. Um, I think... It was Amy Ray from Indigo That's Girls. It. Yep, Amy yep. Ray. Johnny Cash, John Prime, John Denver, Brandy Carlisle. So, yeah, really wow. among some, yeah, um, really, I know. Boy, I was that's shocked. a nice compliment. I love it. That's amazing. Well, especially, you know, being a, quote, singer-songwriter that, you know, kind of exists in the Americana sphere, you, I was very mm-hmm. curious to see who I was similar to. <laughs> so Yeah, so when you go to submit your songs on Spotify, for instance, or what, however you do it, Bandcamp, all that, do you have to, I know my buddy Jason had to kind of list like who he thinks he might sound like for the algorithms, and that can be, that can be challenging. Yeah, so I use an online distribution center called DistroKid that um, a lot of independent artists use. And it's a way to upload this track in one spot, fill out the credits. They submit it to all of the stores on your behalf um, and do all of that. So they don't make me choose an artist, thankfully, but they do make me, I think, choose a genre and then a like second genre, which for me, I always try to go as vague as possible. <laughs> so singer, songwriter, right. and then acoustic <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, before we get too, you know, too much into this, segment we before we get to those three main questions we have to have you satisfy what we call here as the karen condition that's right i want to know this about everybody how in the world do you know kj so amy can you please explain for karen and anyone else listening how you and i met or how we know each other oh yes absolutely well it was a month ago which i cannot believe already Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. Brandy Carlisle was, it played Red Rocks. Yeah. You may know who that is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Scheduled to play Red Rocks. And um, you had come up the night before. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to start really. I I've infiltrated the Bramley. I know it. it, There's so many people that led me to you. Um, The two chicks jerky gals and I connected, Mm -hmm. and they connected me with Maria, who invited me to play the Bramley private party um, the Thursday before the Red Rock show. And you and your friend came, and we met there that night. It was absolutely insane. Wonderful, wonderful evening. And then we both attended the Red Rock show that, that weekend, and then you had to split, I remember. 
I know, and I couldn't get to see you because you were doing tailgate the second night you were playing at the tailgate, and I miss, I didn't get to see that, but I'm glad I got to see you uh, on that small private party. That's right. Yeah, me too. It was such an amazing night connecting with everyone there, and I mean, I'm sure you can feel it. It was like, it just, I don't know, it was a room full of strangers, I mean, from my perspective, mm. and it felt like coming home. It was really just community in action. Um, you could feel the love in the room and yeah, it was, I knew no one there, um, other than my, yeah, my girlfriend, but, um, yeah, yeah, it was every, everyone else. I mean, it felt like we, we knew each other forever. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a great way to kick off that weekend. That's Bramley right there. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like I say, I say, I talk about it at least once a week. I feel like I'm still processing the amount of like love and fun and, uh, friendships made in in the course of you know forty eight or so forty eight or so hours you know yeah and Sean was in that same boat because he had never met any of those people either that's right and he it was like him and and, and one other guy Dave oh hang on it's the name drop name drop of the week uh, yeah, I told him, you know, you're the you and Dave are the only guys in a sea of mostly lesbians. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They were in great company, but yeah, they had they held their own. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for satisfying the caring condition, Karen. I hope that satisfied you. Probably um, not. Oh no, I think I think it did. I think it did. Okay, so before we get to the music, let's do the questions we ask everyone, which is number one. Essentially, prior to you living in, in Denver, where you live now, which is a Western state, in my opinion, I don't think it's a Midwestern state, but we, you know, maybe you disagree. But where are you from? What other places have you lived? Where are you bringing your biases from today? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am a child of a split family household. So I was born in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And spent my first six or so years of life there full time. And then when my parents separated, my dad moved to Virginia. And uh, my older brother and I moved out there with him. And I have a stepbrother as well and a stepmother. So we all live in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So um, every other weekend, Mm. I was in Glen Burnie, Maryland, visiting with my mom and all of my family down there um, or up there if you're from Virginia, over in Virginia. Uh, and then, yeah, but I went to school in Harrisonburg, Virginia. This uh, kind of a, well, it's a college town. James Madison University is there. Oh, it's about okay. an hour and a half from DC, two hours from Richmond, hour from Charlottesville. Yeah. Is it a small, small town or I guess it's a college town. So there's gotta be, you know, so it, I, yes, yeah, so it's a small town in that you can get anywhere in 10 minutes and very, it's still very rural farms, you know, small businesses, mom and pop style shops. But yeah, there is this this bustling university, right? So there's always this dichotomy now with a town like that. It depends mm-hmm. on what time of year there, you're there. If it's just towny summer, what we call it, uh, it's right. very sleepy mm-hmm. town, um, very slow town. But when JMU's in session, obviously the downtown area is more hopping. And um, we're known for our culinary arts as well. There's a lot of really innovative mm-hmm. restaurants in the Harrisonburg area. Yeah. And then uh, I went to school in Broadway, which is in Rockingham County, which is the smaller town right on the outskirts of Harrisonburg. Um, it's about 10 minutes down the road. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where I grew up. Quick question. So these these uh, two towns that you kind of grew up in between mom and dad, how far apart were they? Did you kind of have to travel back and forth between? 
Oh, yeah. So there was a, a McDonald's gas station halfway between Maryland and Virginia that my parents met at to swap my brother yeah, and I. The McDonald's exchange. Yeah, we got to do the whole ride, though, you know. But uh, there mm. were weekends where, you know, my mom, I mean, quite honestly, you could hear it as a hardship, but it's kind of funny. Like, I'm glad that I had that time with my mom because she is a um, – a, a singer herself. Um, she does karaoke all the time. She was a karaoke DJ when I was younger. And so we spent majority of our time together of what it felt like in the car. And so we just had all this time to sing with one another. And so I spent every other weekend belting my brains out with my mom, you know, riding down the highway um, to and from getting to spend the weekend with her. And, and all we did really together was sing. I mean, sing and like arts and crafts. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so, yeah, I really feel like I I got my chops from all that time in the car. <laughs> yeah, what a great memory. I love singing yeah. in the car. I don't know if there's a good acoustics in the car, but it just seems like the, a great place to sing like and work out harmonies and stuff like that with your mom, which I'm sure you did. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're both much of a a lead vocalist, at least back in the day. So we were, we were definitely, we were more so trying to mm. build our main chops. We would, um, so Martina <laughs> yeah. McBride is the, is the, was the first artist that really inspired me to sing. And so, as you know, she's a, a powerhouse vocalist. And yes. one of the things we would do in the car is straight up try to hold the note as long as she did. <laughs> and so, you know, we would hold it and sing it and we'd be, you know, out of air my mom would just be like show off you know and we'd rewind it and we would count it and I'm like oh my gosh you know that's 15 seconds and or whatever and that turned to beats over time you know the more that I learned and um, taught myself and really uh, yeah I was learning breath breath control and all these things but it was just the the stuff my mom and I did you know or picking our next karaoke song that kind of thing that we did together that that really fostered me tuning my ear and and having fun that way you two know how to do a road trip Oh yeah, oh yeah, I bet we haven't. I was since I started driving. I don't know. That's kind of funny. I I'm actually going home next week, um, for like my winter winter visit, and I'm gonna have to. I'll I'll have a rental car. I'm gonna have to get her back in the car with me because you know since I got my license, we've been driving separate. Uh, so, but yeah, we'll definitely hit up the karaoke. That's that's for sure. Love karaoke. That'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so basically you lived in Maryland and Virginia, and then you moved to Denver? That's right, yeah. I So flash forward, I, I went to high school and college, so I went to JMU, that college that's in my town. Oh. Yeah, um, and after that, I was uh, really just, I, my, my, I went to college for um, marketing, and so I was just kind of doing that and um, bebopping. Um, around the vicinity of Harrisonburg. Uh, by the time I moved, I was actually living out in Orange, Virginia, which is an hour over the mountain, is what we say in Harrisonburg. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I was living out there in a farmhouse, middle of nowhere, no internet, um, really no conservative, like. really conservative <laughs> area, um, really not fun. Uh, over 2020 quarantine in the election year, Ooh. and um, you know, quite honestly, I. I think that move was really what I needed to, you know, I, I don't know, I don't have a better term for this, but like cut the umbilical cord that I had like between uh-huh. me and Harrisonburg because, you know, I, I, I was actually in a, like an alternative bluegrass band um, from mm. 18 years old through to pretty much 2020 um, as the lead vocalist. So, I mean, I had my roots established deep in Harrisonburg yeah. and the surrounding area and 
all of my experiences were there and, and particularly like my music career. And I, w- I guess I was doing it more part-time, you know, like obviously we were really serious in college, but we've gotten to the point where we just had a few gigs a month. But yeah, anyway, so when I moved out to that town and it was just so terrible, I and then quarantine happened and, you know, you realize that you can form connections without needing to be down the street. Um, right. It was really the catalyst, I think, of what I needed. And that and election year and the boiling up of being a queer person in such a cons- the capital of the Confederacy in such a conservative, mm. harm- harmful area during such a um, intense time as the election and the overturn in the storming of the Capitol and all those mm-hmm. terrible things. That's how I wrote Annabellum Town. That was kind of like my my the moment I finally snapped and said you know what like I'm out of here you guys I'm not contributing to (laughs) you guys don't get my taxes anymore you know I was just very angry (laughs) Uh, so yeah I I moved to Denver I I really longed to be at a place that had a lot of music opportunities and where I could hold my partner's hand walking down the street Mm -hmm. and I love the mountains and and it still had some (laughs) they were just very different than the ones back home so I gave it a go when you made that decision that you're like, all right, I'm out of here, I'm moving, did you kind of narrow it down to a few different areas or how did how does that come about? Like, I can't even imagine doing that. So yeah. I, I'm curious how that all played out. Yeah, great question. Um, Honestly, I had a lot of time. This is first quarantine, 2020. Like we, we had a lot of time on our hands back then. And um, for me, I knew I wanted it to be gay friendly and a music town but I wasn't I I wasn't I didn't want it to be a huge city that I didn't want any too much shock you know I mean I wanted I didn't want to have to come back home you know what I mean like I really wanted a place that I feel like I could feel comfortable and I actually it was I came to visit Denver and visited Boulder for a day and actually fell in love with Boulder Mm -hmm. and so I actually moved to Boulder first when I decided to move to Colorado because it was just so it had it all it was it was safe for lgbtq it had the like community um college town vibe that i was used to but um just more of everything more opportunity more people more music more arts more everything and um so it felt like a really good move but once i got here and established in the scene i found that a lot of my music and everything was taking me towards denver anyway which mm-hmm. is a short highway trip but Eventually, I was just up here so much that it just made sense to, to sure. yeah. move up to Denver. Sounds like you uh, made a good choice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I like it. I enjoy it. Um, I still feel like a noob, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Being being in the West, I, I don't even know if I could argue if this is the West or the Midwest. I'm just getting down time zones, you know what I mean? But right. yeah, yeah, for being such like an East Coast, um, Chesapeake Bay girl, I will say being landlocked for the first time in my life was something I hadn't considered. Um, that's been weird, but. Oh, sure. I think the nearest beach is Galveston, Texas, <laughs> which is insane. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're a beach girl. You wouldn't consider like you don't consider lakes. I mean, sure, Col- surely Colorado has lakes, but that's not, oh, that doesn't do it for you like beach. I wouldn't call myself a beach girl. I think if anybody knew me personally, would probably laugh at that. <laughs> that, um, I, that I asked you that, yeah. <laughs> that I'm a beach girl. I think, yeah, I yeah. I think it's more so. Oh, I don't know. It's just it's why I'm so excited to go down to like, you know the. Baltimore like inner harbor like you know what I mean that's not even ocean but right. it's just lower elevation and humidity and you can smell that the that the bay is nearby um I don't know it's just this yeah it's a a different atmosphere yeah, so I don't know nice. I don't know that I've had lived 
on a beach. I would go that often, but I definitely would like to experience life near it. <laughs> yeah. And you spent your whole life there. So it is, That's right. I'm sure, a, a huge change. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that was basically the second question. Where are you now? And perhaps the most important question to me, the host of this podcast, <laughs> for the three questions is, why should the Hall of Famer and I visit Denver or why should we visit Virginia? Because we've been to Denver mm. many, many times. Love Boulder, love Golden, love Denver. Um, or Maryland. And we love Maryland. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. Virginia, are you in the, is that the Appalachian Mountains? Uh, yeah. So actually it's okay. in the in the Shenandoah Valley. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And so you actually get the George Washington Forest is nearby. You get the national, I mean, there's so many national parks. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we have what they call the Nelson 151, which is just this 30 miles of um, breweries and vineyards oh, yes. and yeah, distilleries just along this one route. And so you basically you start at the top of the mountain, Devil's Backbone Brewery, and make your way down the mountain. <laughs> they have shuttles oh, as well. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and it's and it's just all along this beautiful highway that runs through the the foothills of the Blue Ridge and tons of if you if you guys do ski and other things we do have resorts out there but yeah and then Maryland obviously steam blue crabs like if you haven't had them then you haven't lived <laughs> I know you and Sean were talking about that and I have not had them I haven't either Sounds like oh, an East Coast gosh. road trip coming our way here Yeah please I mean honestly I texted my mom I was like can you still get crabs in October and she was like yeah I was like okay cool I'm coming home in October <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a, it's how important it is to me um yeah and to get him for Maryland um definitely they're just steamed in a certain way with mm. a certain amount of old bay and it's just a wonderful communal experience sit around pick crabs and, and talk mm-hmm. yeah yeah that that part I can kind of relate to because I grew up for a few years in Louisiana, and we would do that with crawfish, but I don't think crawfish mm. tastes the same as crabs. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say I, no. Yeah, I don't think I've actually had crawfish, um, especially not in a way that I had to shell it. Yeah. But yeah, crabs is uh, it's hard to uh, crab is crab. I don't know. It's it's delicious though. <laughs> That's all I have to I've say. had a crab rangoon, which I loved. So oh I no, think- no 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 <laughs> no please. <laughs> Not the stop same. right okay. there. Okay. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna end up like shipping, overnighting you guys like ten crabs next oh, week. Oh <laughs> man, I think we need to figure, find out what it tastes like because if all I'm comparing it to is a crab rangoon, oh got my god, yeah, no, that's take, an issue. Take a crab leg. Have you guys had crab legs? Yes. Okay, multiply it by like a million goodness Ooh. and flavor, and you have the. You have a, a, Mar- a Maryland blue crab, steamed blue crab. Wow. So do you do you dip that in butter or is it like just too good that you don't even dip it in butter? Yeah, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll have butter near me, but I definitely don't require it. Now, this might be a little, little queasy if you're not a local, but you only eat males, by the way. You don't eat females. And then there there's mustard in the crab, oh. which is... Um, blood i guess just guts but it's it's um yeah and it tastes really good and so some people eat that mustard yeah as a yep as Mm. a um a dipping yeah a dipping if you will so do you think as a first-time crab eater i should eat the mustard or will that just i think it so you have the way you have to pick a crab now 
it's so funny that I'm talking about this because it's going to sound disgusting and make you not want to try crab, but <laughs> the way that you have to eat a crab, now you have to like remove certain parts of the crab that you can't eat that's inside. And that's could be part of it. So when you're removing other things that you wouldn't want to eat, like their organs or uh-huh. something, yeah. then, you know, um, you could remove the mustard then, or you could leave it behind. So okay. not required, but yeah. So the Hall of Famer is sitting here with a disgusting yeah. look on her face, but it can't, it can't be that much <laughs> different than you're losing me real quickly. <laughs> no, so okay, but the thing to the, now, now Hall of Famer, the thing here is once you remove it, you break it in half, and the the meat is all in chambers that are away from all of this oh, stuff. Oh, okay. And in the claws, so it's not oh. mixed within by any means. Yeah, it's a shellfish, so there's there's okay. many. There's many protectors around where we eat. All right. I just picture like all these little tools I need and I'm like, no, in uh, science class, you know, dissecting this crab. And a lot of people use like a wooden hammer to like help break the arms. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, me, I, I'm, I'm an animal. I go all in. I don't, I don't need a tool. (laughs) I feel like I need like a video of this. Okay. I was going to say, maybe, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll email you guys a follow-up vid of me eating the crab next week. Yes, please. Yeah, please. I want to see. Let's do a how-to. Yes, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. So it sounds like we need to go to Maryland and Virginia. Yes. And we go to Denver almost every year or every other year Mm -hmm. because we have family there. So I love Denver. So we'll be looking you up next time we come there. Please. Yeah. And I'd recommend, you know, if you stay in like Arlington or like just outside of DC, um, you can get to and from the areas that I've been mentioning pretty, you know, within oh. two hours uh, mm-hmm. between both Virginia and Maryland. So that's kind of what I'm doing is I'm, I'll straddle my time uh, in between those two states while I'm there next week. Okay. It'll be really nice. Yeah. And we love DC. So yeah, that, we go there almost every year too. Yeah. Now, have you seen the Lincoln Memorial at night? Yes. Uh, I did it for the first time and I've been there. I had to go like on a field trip every year because I grew up right near it. But yeah, I went for the first time at night as the last stop on my way out from Virginia before I went as I was driving to Colorado oh. and just seeing the reflection pool on the stillness. And I, I, you know, it was like it was a meditative experience. It was it was a healing hmm. experience, too, for, you know, a, a queer person finally leaving an area you know, right down the road that I felt like I couldn't quite be my full self. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just a really cool moment. So yeah, DC is amazing. I was thinking about that before we get to the, well, I will just do it because we kind of been intermixing music with the other questions, but sorry. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm all for it. And crabs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Crabs. There's always room for food talk on this (laughs) podcast. But, But I would imagine that the juxtaposition between a place where you grew up and love and the fact that you don't feel like you can be yourself there is fodder for lots of songs or, or, you know, just things to that might inspire you to write certain songs. Like you said, Annabellum town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really a lot of what this album is about. Not so much directly related with the specific issues i mean definitely annabelle in town is exactly that but i feel like even through the rest of the album even if it's a love story or or you know something else it's really about the what happened to me when i decided to make that decision um i wrote annabelle town on january 6th and that was the last song i wrote in virginia wow (laughs) and yeah and i wrote across the country and i actually listened to brandy carlisle broken horses 
uh-huh. audiobook across yes. the country, which was probably the best thing so I could good. have done for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because by the time I got there, I was ready. I, I was ready to go knocking on every door that <laughs> was ever put in front of me. And that was something that I had never done previously in Virginia. I always kind of towed the line and, and kind of played it safe and held myself back a lot of, for never really pursuing this thing. I mean, always doing it. I've never not done music. Mm-hmm. And I've always, it's always been my dream. You know, it's the only thing I ever love to do. And I guess it's, that's kind of one of those things when folks say, you know, what's your goal or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, the next best, best thing is the next, is the next thing. I, I will, yeah. always be doing this <laughs> you know it's like breathing or eating or something it's like mm-hmm. you know I don't know I'll, I'll always be playing music it, you know and whatever whatever happens happens and I'm going to stop getting in my own way and um, a lot of the songs are about you know the transition that happened in me when I did decide to put those things down that I'd been carrying um, like you know the feeling like around being queer and, and in the capital confederacy and the mm-hmm. things that I went through there and the, and the roles that I played in my family and, mm-hmm. you know, everything else, all these, all these things that I was carrying that what I'd been through and the resilience that I gained, but I was carrying all of that, that it was all that I was and I didn't have room to pick up anything else. And really, I think that drive across the country was the beginning of holding the mirror and to that and, and shedding those and releasing those beliefs to pick up something new and, as a result, I got home, emailed Chance McCoy, asked him to produce my album, wrote three or four more songs that are now on the album, and did the damn thing. Hmm. Um, and That's so, yeah, it's awesome. I'm really proud of this album. So this is not your – this the album that you're talking about now is your second album that you're releasing, right? You, you have yes. one from 2020. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the self-titled was a album of sorts that um, a friend and I – a friend of mine, Ryan Clark Slocum, he and I did together. So basically we crowdfunded a little bit of money – actually a good bit of money, $5,000. Wow. Yeah, a little bit of money in the scheme of making an album, but um, we crowdfunded $5,000 and actually rented out a recording studio and did it ourselves. <laughs> um, and so this album that I'm talking awesome. about is one that once I got to Colorado, I knew I wanted to make and so I started crowdfunding and it was a $12,000 album. And I um, am pleased to say that I met that goal and grateful, so grateful. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, a combination of folks back home and the folks that I've met in Denver helped me crowdfund that. And I was looking for a producer for that album and, uh, I decided I wanted Chance McCoy, formerly with Old Crow Medicine Show, to be my partner uh, in this album. Yeah, and, you know, previously I would think I'd have no business emailing this fellow, but I found his email and, you know, said, quite honestly, you know, after reading or listening to Broken Horses, I was like, you know what? You know, I had this image of me just like standing in line, like waiting to knock on this door when I thought it was my turn and everyone else walking around me and going right in, you know? And so yeah. I'm like, you know, it's time to knock. And um, Brandy inspired me with her persistence mm-hmm. in the times that she really wanted something. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, start. I really want this, you know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm, I'm really going to pursue this. And so Chance said yes. And um, in March uh, of this year, I actually flew out to West Virginia about, an hour and a half from where I grew up in the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, Shenandoah Valley, you know, area to record this album with him. And um, I've actually been releasing it as singles once a month. So I'm on my fourth single now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it released uh, last Friday, Camel Meal and Whiskey. It's a country waltz tune. 
Uh, last month's was yes. uh, Dance With You, Piano Ballad, and Annabellum Town. And, and I have a couple more songs dropping through to the new year, actually. So off of that album. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it's been an incredible year of learning and unlearning and perspective shift and uh, yeah just hold new tra- chapter well con- congratulations thank you and, and good for you it's very inspiring so you mentioned before that you were in a uh, bluegrass cover band did you say for like 10 years or more it was an alternative bluegrass band so we, we were an original oh, not music cover. okay no original. so i mean we did so well what's funny is we never really knew what our genre was um, back in the yep. day. We started in 2018. We all went to high school together, um, except for one of us, but they knew um, one of us from like an alternative learning school. And we all went to high school together. And then in college, we happened to be just getting together and, and jamming and we loved it. And we called it many nights ahead. Mm-hmm. And we said, we do what we want with bluegrass instruments because my banjo player started as a blues guitarist. And my guitarist was in a metal band and my harmonica player, like only listens to dead people in from like New Orleans. <laughs> and um, my, my bassist was in the a metal band and also a jazz ensemble in high school. And then here I was, you know, singing, Alanis Morissette and, you know, Four Non Blondes and Melissa Etheridge and mm-hmm. Whitney Houston and Etta James and just any powerhouse kind of Janis Joplin, right. female vocalist, but not bluegrass. Um, and we came mm-hmm. together and did this thing. And it actually resulted in this incredible space between like, you know, we're playing traditional numbers that folks that are love bluegrass know and respect and flatfoot too but then we're also doing like rap covers and things that the college yeah. kids you know blow their minds that it's being done in this um with these acoustic instruments and so yeah we did that for a long time yeah eight eight to ten years of just you know playing making music we only released one album but we always you know we kind of got and, you know, we kind of got uh, known for doing our crazy covers, so folks would request them, and you know, we we'd put them out or play them live. So it sounds but, like a lot of fun. Yeah, but you, but I mean, you were you were comfortable with that. You could have mm-hmm. done. You could have continued with that. And I'm just wondering, and you maybe kind of answered this already with the listening to Broken Horses. But where do you get how? Where do you get the confidence for that? Where do you get the drive to just say, okay, I'm moving, and I'm going to start over by myself. Mm-hmm. Bartimi thinks, so I guess I always had the confidence in, in that I think I was, I've always been a performer um, and it's what I love to do. And I come alive on stage and, you know, I, I didn't even play the guitar in the band because we had a guitarist. So mm-hmm. I was a front woman for, you know, that long um, with nothing but a mic in my hand. And so I really, I think that band made me I gained, I, I, I became who I needed to be through my time with that band. I gained every, yeah, I, I gained the ability to speak on a mic or, con, you know, sure, connect yeah. with a crowd and, and do those things. And I gained a lot of experience touring with them and doing festivals and meeting, you know, bluegrass legends that, you know, at the time I was like, I don't, I don't know why, why are those guys, why are the guys in the band freaking out that like Sam Bush's autograph tent is beside our stage, you know? And I, now I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's Sam Bush, like, you know, greatest of all time. Like, and so, you know, it was, I grew and learned and um, really, really found myself a bit more as an artist through that time in the band. And I think one thing that was always kind of apparent to me is a, I'm first and foremost a vocalist and, um, and it's still part of my, 
of what I love to do, like kind of that growling, that Janis Joplin growling and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I just longed for the ability to have more freedom in the music that I made. Once you put a banjo on something, it's kind of difficult for it not to be bluegrass, um, at least right. in the kind of band and music that we were playing. And I love those guys. And I think they'll forever be like, it's going to be hard for me to to get a band that's not them. I'm, I mean, you'll hear Austin Shiflett, my harmonic player, on multiple songs on my album. When I make music, a part of me will always think of them. And Traveling on 42, which is another single I put out, it's on Spotify, wherever you listen, was written um, partially. The chorus was written by my guitarist, Bucky Greenemalt. And so I think those guys will always be with me in, in some form or fashion. I'm heavily influenced by my time in the band, but, you know, I, I am a female vocalists who grew up listening to these women that were genre benders and, and were, were blues and rock and roll and country all mixed into one. And I, I just kind of wanted to see where I was as a singer songwriter without the, the bounds of bluegrass. Yeah. And, and it all goes back to your road trips with your mom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I know it. she's the first person that, that got me on stage. And from that moment on, I mean, I really was, I, I was on stage from six years old on. Wow. Yeah. What stage were you on first? What was it for? Oh, well, the first ever was, it was a karaoke um, situation. When I was six, I sang Martina McBride's Life Number Nine. And I was so nervous that I was in the bathroom and hiding out. And my mom was like, you know, and I I said to my mom, apparently, I don't even remember. My mom told me this. She said um, that I said, I want to sing, but my tummy doesn't want me to sing. (laughs) So she was like, she was going to sing with me. That was the only way I was going to be up there is if she and I sang together like our car rides. And so, well, she, unbeknownst to me, told the DJ to cut her mic. So it stopped coming through the PA. So she, cause she would try to stop singing. Then I would get quiet. And so then, so she (laughs) just turned her mic off so she could belt it. And it was just me coming through and, you know, the entire place went nuts and, you know, apparently as soon as I was done, you know, I was down there telling her her dance moves for the next time we were up there and all of that. So <laughs> it was definitely the moment I heard Martina McBride sing is the moment I, I'm like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Okay. So you were, one of my questions was, when did you start becoming, you know, interested in music? It pretty, pretty young. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. My, I remember in the back of my mom, my mom's Monte Carlo <laughs> hearing, I think it was Independence Day come on the radio and like looking uh-huh. out the back window and just being like, I didn't even yeah, I just, I was obsessed with Martin McBride. I mean, obsessed. I, I, uh, yeah, she, there's something ignited the performer in me that that's all I did is I, I grew up in my room listening to her, listening to music, listening to her music or other, other female musicians that I've mentioned's music, recording myself playing their songs, listening back. You know, I just, I was, it's all I did. That's all I was interested in. Singing into your hairbrush in front of the mirror. Yeah, you name it, you know. Yeah, yeah. video video recorder, you know. Um, I oh, walked around man. with a voice recorder. Oh, yeah. Making up my own songs. I was just, yeah, from as, as young as I can, I can remember, I was only interested in this. And that's what I was going to ask, too. When did you start writing songs? Like, that was much later. Your first song? Uh, my first song was probably one that I had written for many nights ahead. I was probably, I was 18. Oh. Oh, and, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, so it took a long time for me to write a formal, you know what I mean? A song in which I would play for other people. It wasn't like more than a ditty, I'd say. (laughs) And, Uh you know, I I say, I I don't, I'm not a traditional writer and I like, I sit down and write. It's more of an improv experience for me. Just like push record on my voice memo and play my guitar and, or, 
you know, start humming some stuff and whatever comes out, comes out. And I listen back, write it down. And that becomes a song. So a lot of my songs have weird song structure or funky. I'm trying to get a little better at that as I, as I get older, but I, I think I'll always have the kind of do it, do what you want with bluegrass instruments vibe to me as well, uh, where uh-huh. I kind of just, yep. you know, do my own thing. But yeah, so I'd say 18 was my first song. And, um, this, this last album was really me putting that to the test and really trying to stretch myself as a writer and purposely write songs in different ways that I, you know, I wrote my first song on the piano, um, this album. And it's so far, it's, you know, I think one of folks' favorite singles from the album, Dance With You. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just things that I would have, I always told myself, you know, I was waiting in line to knock for even even within my own life with myself. And I just said, you know what, screw it. Like now is now is the time. Like I'm gonna jump in and and find me as an artist and really do it. Whoever Amy Martin is, like I want to find you know start to find her in this album, and I really genuinely do feel like I I've, I've done that. Wow, what a great accomplishment! Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. Now I'm just in release mode, you know. So I'm just like figuring out like you know how to how to let people hear it and and hear my mm-hmm. heart and hear the why behind what I'm doing and sharing my music I mean that's I love my two favorite thing well I love making music I love like literally being in the studio making music I love performing music so much I love being with people and the crowd and connecting um but I also just absolutely love releasing music like handy I love the whatever that handoff is between like this song was just mine and now it's everyone's and mm-hmm. I don't control the message anymore. I like right. that too. It's terrifying. <laughs> and sometimes there's some oh, imposter yeah. syndrome that comes into play, uh-huh. but I, yep. I'm convinced I'm growing from this too somehow. Well, I want to, I want to see you in action here. So I want to know if you're going to be on tour and are you coming to Minnesota? Um, so I don't have any, so that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm releasing, I'm releasing my music and just trying to get folks outside of the Shenandoah Valley to know who I am and my mm-hmm. music. And I think this album is doing a really great job in doing just that, as well as just the relationships that I've been making along the way. Now that I'm just really putting myself out there and knocking and, and, you know, I'm meeting folks like you all and the Bramley mm-hmm. and so many other folks along the way that are helping me out of the kindness of their heart and their belief in my, in, in what I do. And I'm still wrapping my mind around that. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think the next, that's the next question for me is like, what, what, what a tour look like? And, you know, do I, do I, you know, I do, I miss, I miss playing with a band, you know, (laughs) Um, I, so now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm, I, I kind of, I feel, I feel like I've found my stride, you know, at least for now, I'm still young. I'm 29, but (laughs) I'm feeling like I'm, I've, more in my pocket um, after making this album. And so now I'm looking around and saying like, okay, but who, I want to take some folks on this, this ride with me. And so I, I think touring and band are, are the big question marks that I think will reveal themselves to me much sooner than I could possibly think. But yeah, that's something I'm still thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Always down to travel though. That said, that said, um, if you guys know of any cool opportunities, I'm always down well, I think we need to oh, get yeah. you to our town here with our little Sheldon Theaters, a great little theater. Or Minneapolis. A lot, a oh, lot yeah. of great theaters. A lot of great venues in yep. Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, now that I'm in a different part of the country too, it's it's accessible in a different way. And yeah, I've done a lot more traveling this year than, than I have my entire life on the East Coast. Yeah, I went from small town gal who I took my first plane trip in 2019 to <laughs> going on like wow. seven or eight trips this year alone. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you, this is some expansion for this this, wow. this girl. Yes. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I've made some connections and, and friendships and, and things. So I have some plans to play some festivals, you know, out in the West next yes. year and, and things like that. Yeah. So I heard about uh, one of those. <laughs> yeah. No, no formal <laughs> invite yet, but or, I don't know. I don't know how formal it was pretty formal, I guess, when you're talking to them, but yeah. So I'm, I'm just really excited. I am um, just playing the next, playing the next gig and just continuing to make relationships and make music and it's just really a beautiful time really great time in my life so thank you guys so much I really appreciate these questions and you know what Amy when you were performing the night before at you and me on the red rocks your love of performing really comes out like I can see that you love it Mm. and of course I this goes without saying you're very good Oh, thank and, you. And your new album, your new song, Chamomile Whiskey, is really fun. And I was going to ask you, like, I can hear some harmonica. I can hear what I think is either a violin or a fiddle. Who yep. is playing those? Or are you doing, like, garage band? <laughs> Who's playing those things? Yeah, um, the answer is me or Chance. And then the harmonica is Austin from my my previous band, Many Nights Ahead. So the songs that contain harmonica are all him. He's a beast. I've got, I've got a pretty cool kind of a crazy song coming out. My last song on this album, kind of teasing a few songs out, but um, it's like a, it's a big jam sesh and you'll hear harmonica and fiddle and mandolin and guitar and I'm the mm-hmm. guitar and fiddle and mandolin is chance and, and Austin's harmonica. So, but yeah, everything on the album, uh, I'm, I'm playing guitar and piano and written everything and I'm doing voice when there are harmonies and stuff. That's me as well. Um, okay. But yeah, Chance is just a phenomenal multi-instrumentalist and um, plays, you know, country, western, bluegrass music. So that was another huge, it was just a huge deal, you know, to have him play on the, on the album. The the fiddle that you hear on Cowboy and Whiskey, I mean, it's just so beautiful. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, wow, this guy, I, I texted him. I said something like, did you win awards for this fiddle playing or something? You know, as a joke, cause he's, <laughs> he holds like a ton of awards out in West Virginia and all for, for violin, but it's just, it really shows through his artistry. So, and he was a phenomenal collaborator, like no stress. It honestly felt like me and a, a band member jamming with the record button. I mean, it was just really incredible. So. Wow. That's some of the rewards for, you know, just, I'm just going to email him and see what he says. And yeah. then look what happened. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny when people ask me, I'm like, well, I just emailed him. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I just emailed him. That's Way to get special. yourself out there. Absolutely. So I don't want to take any more of your time, Amy, but I did want to ask you, well, if there's anything you want me to ask or if anything you think I'm missing here besides we'll get to your, how do we find you social stuff at the end? Is there anything else music wise that I missed? Um, no, I think, I mean, yeah, it's been great. I could talk to you guys forever. <laughs> it's so easy mm-hmm. talking to you all. So I really appreciate you. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I know. I think that's it. I, I really, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, this has been a lot of well, fun. Well, one of the questions I wrote, you kind of answered was, how do you write your songs? I will take out my notes app and if I have a lyric in mind, but mm-hmm. do, you, do you do lyrics first? Do you do melody first? Or does it all just individual songs just come to you, like you said, and you just pick up the guitar and start humming along and then mm-hmm. you go from there? Yeah. So, I mean, for example, in this album, 
So Chamomile and Whiskey was the only song I've ever written that started from a prompt. I was asked to write a song about an old lady in a diner <laughs> and uh-huh. it ended up being this like heartfelt, you know, storytelling that I, I was able to kind of honor my great grandfather. Yeah. And that I, you know, I wasn't expecting. Um, but aside from that one, my next single, I was actually a journal entry that I wrote uh, that my life coach therapist had told me to write um, in response to how I was feeling about my divorce. And I just put some chords to it. And then things like Sweet Virginia, which is a single I released about leaving Virginia. Um, This was not a part of the album, but a newer song for me. Um, That one started with just uh, me holding the G chord and and kind of doing some like finger pickups on it. And I liked the way it sounded. And I was thinking of my grandmother and I started singing so long, sweetheart. Cause that's how she tells, that's how she says goodbye to me. And so mm-hmm. I started saying like, well, goodbye, darling. So long, sweetheart. I had no idea what the song was going to be about, but uh, it turned out it was about Virginia. And so, yeah, it, I mean, it really is organic for me yeah. most all yeah. the time. And the, the piano ballad, I sat down with Paige in mind um, based on a conversation we had. And I, wanted to write a song on the piano I felt like you know for a vocalist a lot of my songs that were on acoustic just didn't show my uh, vocal range and it was important for me to have that in the album too and so that was kind of my I'm gonna I'm gonna do the damn thing challenge to write you know a piano ballad and mm-hmm. and did that so let me say you did the damn thing oh well thank you <laughs> yeah you did the thank damn you. thing yep uh. editor's note I've got a special treat for you Here's about a 45-second snippet of Amy doing the damn thing in her piano ballad, Dance With You. You're welcome. The floor may be empty And the sun is my bathroom But baby, you're Okay, well, I don't want to take any more of your time. So why don't you tell us where where can we find you? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Denver County, United States of America. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, yeah. So you can find me on all social media platforms. Instagram is, I think, where I'm most active. Facebook, uh, Twitter, they are all my handles are the same. It's at Amy Martin Music. And um, you can find me anywhere at Amy Martin Music. And then my website is also amymartinmusic.com. And then you can find me on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. If you give me a follow on your streaming service of choice, that would be a huge help. That way my songs show up for you on release day. Um, You can just find me Mm -hmm. under Amy Martin. Perfect. And Amy, A-M-Y, correct? Yes. M-A-R-T-I-N. There we go. M-A-R-T-I-N, like the guitar, not T-E-N. That's right. Okay. Well, Amy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Folks, go out and listen to her music. Give her a follow. Buy her album. Do it all. Oh, thank you all so much. It's been so much fun. I could talk to you guys forever. Thank you Same. so, so much. And uh, let's do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. We can do a part two because I left a few questions on the floor here. Let's do it. I, I'm here right. for it. All right. Thanks, Amy. 
All right. That's it. That's the podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Bias Pod. And you can email your questions and comments to MidwestBiasPod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review and subscribe or follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Overcast, that's where I get my podcasts. And no, Overcast is not a sponsor of this podcast yet. But Best Rubber Stamp is... Thanks so much to Best Rubber Stamp and Christopher Giannini and all the folks over there. You can find them at bestrubberstamp.net. Email them at stamps at bestrubberstamp.net. Or give them a call at 901-278-4500. Mention Midwest Bias. Get 20% off your first order. And especially be sure to rate and review this podcast if you really like it. If you don't like it, no worries. Don't even waste your time. Really, it's fine. So thank you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. Bye now. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no, please (laughs) stop right there.